Good morning. My name is Pastor Emily, and I am the pastor of children and their families here at Calvary, and I have the privilege of bringing the word to you this morning. We've been studying 1 John together and hearing about the love that God has for us while also considering what it means to love like Jesus, what a life filled with the love of Christ looks like as we live this out. So we've heard about the lavish love of God, how God considers us to be his children, his beloved. But we've also thought about how God does not just love us and leave us. He remains with us. And he desires to change us and transform us into a reflection of himself through which love freely flows to others. So this morning we're going to take another look at the abiding love of God and what this life of love looks like as we live it out. So let's pray together before we dive into God's word. Father, we give thanks to you for your goodness and your love that you pour out into our lives. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that are open to hearing your words this morning, that we might be changed by you. Amen. I remember the first time that I visited Niagara Falls. I believe we have a picture to put up here. There I am right in the middle. This is circa 1991, and I believe I was about 13 years old. But my junior high girls Sunday school class went for a day trip to the falls from Pennsylvania. And we're very lucky here in Rochester because we are very close to Niagara Falls. So likely most of you have been there yourselves. Um, but people really travel many miles from across the country, from around the world, to see this natural wonder of the world. And I remember being struck, even at a very early age, just of the power and the beauty of the falls and the endless water that just flows over them. You likely know that Niagara Falls is not the tallest waterfall in the world, but rather it's the amount of water that flows over the falls that makes it so impressive and so breathtaking. So I'd like for us to consider this morning like the water flowing over a waterfall, like Niagara Falls, how to fill us up, Carrie, preach about what it... And today we're going to pick up right where we left off in 1 John. We're going to be reading from chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. So if you have your Bible, if you could go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version this morning. And I'm going to explain my choice to you after we read. So that's the version that will be up on the screen, but you can follow along in whatever version you have with you today. So 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. 
But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So John really gives us a lot to consider there. So we're going to work through this scripture together. So if you want to leave your Bibles open, I'm going to be referring back to different, version, or different verses as we go through it together. But here at the beginning, John is really pretty straightforward in continuing his theme of relational Christianity, focusing on the love relationship that we have with God through Christ, that we live in him and he lives in us. It's a relationship. And I chose to read from the NRSV this morning because of the repeated use of the word abide. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark explained to us how the different translations use this word in different ways. The translators have just given different words for it, although it has the same meaning. So the NIV uses live in or remains, or your version may even use the word dwell, but they have the same meaning as abide. And I think the repetition of the word abide and the way that we really hear it helps to drive John's point home here, emphasizing this close relationship between God through Christ and believers. It is to be an abiding relationship. And the best example that we have for an abiding relationship came from Jesus when he compared an abiding relationship to a vine and branches. So in John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus said, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we are in an abiding relationship with Christ, we are made one with him. He is the vine. We are the branches. And this means that just as the branches rely on the vine for everything they need, we rely upon God's resources as we fully cooperate with him and he empowers us to live in love. So we've established this relationship of abiding, God in us, us in him. And this leads to a life of transformation. And a vital part of this abiding relationship is believing that we are truly loved by him. So coming back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 reads, So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. So John names God as love. God is love. The two are synonymous. They can't be separated. So when we abide in love, or we remain, or we live in love, we are living or being in God who is true love. Him in us, us in him. 
Now, this can sound like a really abstract, even mystical kind of idea, but think back to the vine and the branches. He is our life source, our source of love. So we trust in his goodness, his love, his provision. And John reminds us in this passage that the gift of the Spirit assures us of this love. Now, this love that John is talking about includes God's love for us and our love for God, but it also refers to our love for each other and how this is made whole or complete in us through him. Not just someday in the future, but this is a reality for us in the here and now, that we become a reflection of Christ as we yield control to him and we allow his love to change us and flow through us. Now, verse 6, 17 in the NRSV here reads, because as he is, so are we in this world. If you're reading from the NIV, the statement there is, in this world, we are like Jesus. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? In this world, we are like Jesus. And we're like Jesus because we remain in him and he remains in us. So John makes this all sound pretty easy just reading it, doesn't he? And it shouldn't be such a struggle to remain in this abiding love. And yet sometimes it can be. And I think sometimes we get in the way of ourselves, whether it's our self-life, our fear, our pride, our insecurities, our selfishness, and our need for comfort, stability, or our need for control. And sometimes for different reasons, we might have a hard time accepting this love of God. It could be because of things that have happened in our past or things that we've told ourselves or that others have told us. So we're going to build a little wall over here. This is a wall of lies that I'd like for us to think about this morning. So on the bottom here, I have the word sinner because it could be that we think we have just messed up too badly for God to really love us and to really forgive us. And that's a lie, isn't it? It could be, we think God doesn't really love me. Sure, he loves everyone, but he doesn't love me. It might be that we think we're unworthy, or we're not good enough, or that God can't really be trusted, and we just want to hang on tight to the control of our lives. But what happens is we build this wall of lives that prevent us from fully embracing and receiving the love of God. We might know his love in our minds and our heads, but we haven't embraced it fully in our hearts. And fear can start to create. We just want a vision. God and distanced from each other. And our concern for ourselves short circuits our concern for other people. And we create this kind of illusion that we are safe there behind our wall and behind our little bubble of self. But John is telling us here, the love of Jesus compels us to abide in him. Verse 15 reads, God abides in those 
who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. This is the truth, that we can know in our inmost being that God is love and that we are a part of this intimate relationship with God in which he is in us and we are in him. And he can help to move this understanding from our heads to our hearts and our innermost self so that we can fully embrace his love. And he is able to knock down those walls, those lies that we believe that skew our thinking, that prevent us from receiving his love. The same walls that prevent us from loving others, the walls that keep God out or keep others at a distance. So when these walls and our resistance come down, he can freely love us and love others through us. And his love compels us to abide in him, trusting and depending on him moment by moment instead of ourselves. And this is what leads to a life of love lived out. We can be mindful, approachable, graceful, bold, self-giving, all of those things that we've been reading about in our Love Like That book, because he is the one who has cast out our fear, our distrust, our occupation with ourselves, and our comfort and our security. In verse 18, John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. His perfect love in and through us takes away any fear of punishment. Now here, John is referring to the fear of judgment from God, specifically at the end of time when we pass from this present age into the fullness of the kingdom of God. And when we are trusting Christ, we have no need to fear eternal separation from him. There is no fear in love. When we're abiding in him and he is in us, so as we empty our lives of ourselves, he fills us with his life, Christ's life. Remember, God equals love. In this week's reading from Love Like That, Les Parrott stated, The fear of not being first, of not getting what we need or what we want, pushes us to the front. It causes us to seek our own advantage and look past what might help others. And I think we've all been guilty of that selfishness before, the pushing to the front. But this is the self-life that God wants to replace with his life flowing in and through us. And when we abide in him, others become more important than ourselves. Now, have you also noticed throughout this passage here how John is using the word we? He's referring to himself and he's referring to those in his community that he's writing to, the true believers. Because God's love is meant to be shared in community. In community with each other as believers. And also in community with those who do not yet believe. So as the body of Christ, as the community of faith, we abide in him collectively. And as we abide in him, we begin to see the world a little bit differently. And we see people the way that he sees them. 
The love of Jesus compels us to see people through his eyes. You may or may not know that I wear contact lenses. So if I'm not wearing my contacts, I better be wearing my glasses. Because if I'm not wearing either, then the world just becomes a very fuzzy place for me. And I'm not really able to concentrate on much of anything. As is the case if you wear contacts or glasses too. So when I go to the eye doctor for my yearly exam to see if I need a new prescription, it can be a struggle when I have to take out my contacts, I have to take my glasses off, and things are just very, very blurry. So if you've been to the eye doctor, you've likely seen one of these gadgets. But this is the tool that the eye doctor uses to see if you need a prescription change. So he clicks through the different lenses to determine which one creates the clearest vision to see if you need a change in your prescription. So when I go, my eyes start off very, very blurry. I can't see a thing. But as the doctor clicks through each of those different lenses, things start to become a little clearer and a little clearer and a little clearer until finally I can see those tiny little letters way up on the chart that's up at the front of the room. And so it is when we see the world through the eyes of Jesus with clear vision. He gives us eyes to see people as he does, each created in his image and dearly loved by him. As I was preparing for this week, I came across a researcher who stated, America has been called the nation of strangers. One Gallup poll reported that four in 10 Americans admit to frequent feelings of intense loneliness. Intense loneliness. Maybe some of us have felt that kind of loneliness. And I think certainly we all know people who are lonely. But what if we were so consumed by the love of Christ, seeing people through his eyes, that we carried his love into lonely, lifeless places? Because we saw people in need of the love of Christ. And it's very easy for us to live disconnected lives, isn't it? We can order virtually anything from Amazon Prime, which I do quite frequently myself. We can have our groceries delivered with Instacart. We can even watch church streamed online, all the while keeping up with our friends and family on Facebook or Instagram, with Netflix keeping us company in the background. We can easily live our lives as strangers to those around us. But a disconnected life is not the life that God is calling us to. We're made for connection. We're made for connection with him and for connection with each other. This abiding. As we read together earlier, Jesus laid this foundation of love in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, when he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the foundation of love to which we're called. A love where there's no limit as to who our neighbor is or isn't. The command that Jesus gives us is to love. Remember verse 17, in this world, we are like Jesus. Jesus didn't look to his own self-interest. Rather, he looked to the needs of others. 
without expecting anything in return. And this is what it means to see people through his eyes, seeing what they need rather than what we need, our hearts. And so as we yield to people in our paths to love eyes with this clear vision, he will put people in our paths to love because he desires to work through us. And this requires a response from us. He won't force us to love, but he does empower us to love and respond. The love of Jesus compels us to respond in love. It is Christ in us that compels us to love others. But as we heard last week, this is more than just some abstract idea or feeling because love involves making ourselves available, investing in other people, and putting their needs ahead of our own. That's hard to do, isn't it? Reflecting God's perfect love so that whomever we encounter has an encounter with Christ himself flowing through us. So John concludes this passage by writing in verse 20, Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is a hard truth because what John is telling us is that if we are not loving others, then we are not abiding in Christ. Loving like Jesus requires a response. It's not passive, but it takes initiative on our part. Loving like Jesus means getting close enough to people to build a relationship with them and just being present with them. And this doesn't just mean the people who are already in our circle of friends or the people that we like or the people who are just like us. So I'd like for us to consider who are the people in our proximity whom God desires to love through us. Verse 21, the commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So as we abide in him, remember, it's like the vine and the branches, drawing everything that we need from him. Jesus loves through us when we are present with others, when we're willing to listen and love them right where they are and knowing and responding to their needs above our own. I'd like for us to consider these words together from author Timothy Green. He writes, love is the ultimate capacity to act upon the life of another for the sake of his or her good, for the sake of life, and for the sake of the divine agenda. Far beyond a sentimental feeling or a strongly held affection, love is the action of extending God's creative life, blessing, and good into the life of another. Love is a synergistic partnership with the life-giving, blessing God. Did you catch that? A synergistic partnership with the life-giving, blessing God. So as we love, we are partnering with God for the sake of his mission in the world. 
Amy Carmichael was a missionary to India in the early 1900s. She might be a familiar name to you. But she worked primarily with women and children whom she rescued from Hindu temples where they had been sold. And in 1931, she had a bad fall and was severely injured, and she spent the remaining 20 years of her life mostly bedridden. So during this time, she wrote a number of books and journals, and I'd like to share an excerpt from one of her writing with you this morning that connects to what we're, we're talking about this morning. So she writes, Recently, I was sent a picture of a jug into which water was being poured, the idea was that love, or whatever we need, is poured into us like that. I don't think of it so at all. I think of the love of God as a great river, pouring through our ravine in flood time. Nothing can keep this love from pouring through us, except, of course, our own blocking of the river. Do you sometimes feel that you have got to the end of your love for someone who refuses and repulses you? Such a thought is folly. For one cannot come to the end of what one has not got. We have no store of love at all. We are not jugs. We are riverbeds. And she concludes, if there be any hindrance, sweep it all away. O love eternal, pour through me, I pray. Jesus invites us to live in the overflow of his love. Think about Niagara Falls that overflow. So we don't need to hoard his love for ourselves. Rather, we can be free to pour it into the lives of others because it has an endless supply. God's love poured into us to be poured into others. I think God is inviting us to step deeper into his flow of grace, into his flow of love. So are you bottling up his love into a jug, hoarding it out of fear and self-preservation? Or are you allowing it to flowly pour out of you as he pours his love into you, creating a riverbed of love as his love moves through you to others? How does he want to love others? Through you. And this will require a response from you, more than just a feeling of love inside of you, but an acting out, a pouring out of love through service to others, putting them above yourselves as the Spirit of Christ empowers you. Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks to you for your gracious love that you pour into us and into our lives. I pray that you would give us the, the power and the help that we need to move this love from just a meaning in our heads, but to an understanding in our hearts where we can fully embrace your love and your forgiveness and your grace for us. Help us to abide in you. Give us clear vision to see others as you see them. And help us to respond and love others as you pour your love in and through us. If there be a hindrance, sweep it all away. O love eternal, pour through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>